How's it going, Dave? I'm doing great. <laughs> it's great to be here. Thanks for coming on. Ladies and Thank gentlemen, you. we're here on Chartable Radio with Zach Khan, the senior, what was the title? The senior manager of podcast marketing. Senior manager Media. of podcast marketing at Vox Media. That's right. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm, we are all podcast people here. It's great to have a true podcast believer <laughs> on the show, that of is course. True. Um, Hold on, let me update my bio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Is it? Are you a true believer or not? 100%. 100%. So um, you are leading podcast marketing at Vox. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? I should say, for those who don't know, Vox Media is home to a bunch of different editorial networks. So it includes Vox, our news and politics network. That's the yellow logo you often see on Facebook. Um, but also Recode, The Verge, Eater, SB Nation, Polygon, and Curbed, uh, which cover a variety of different You were able to get all news. those out really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I, I, I might have rehearsed in front of the mirror in the bathroom. <laughs> no, I didn't There's a bunch, a bunch of brands that we all uh, are familiar with, yes. at least one or if not all of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, leading podcast marketing across Vox Media, which has been – a true pleasure, uh, and and sort of have to pinch myself that I, I get to do this every day. Um, and how of, long have you been doing it for? So I've been leading podcast marketing for a little bit over a year, okay. um, but I've been at Vox Media for almost three years. Okay, great. Um, and how did you end up at Vox? Yeah, so this is kind of funny in hindsight, looking back. Uh, I did not plan this. Nobody planned this, but um, I actually come to Vox Media by way of a podcast. So I That's was great. Yeah, I was listening to. Uh, Rico Deco, and at the time, I think it was Kara was every Tuesday talking to someone in tech, Kara Swisher, uh, and Peter Kafka was talking to someone uh, every Thursday in media and entertainment. This is before we broke out the show as Recode Media, mm-hmm. which, by the and way, this is a few years ago, is that subscribe right? Subscribe to. Uh, yeah. yeah. This, is, um, this is probably three years ago. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think he was interviewing someone from BuzzFeed. I think it was Shawnee Hilton. Um, and he, you know, instead of a, an ad, he, he said, we're going to host uh, the Code Conference, uh, actually an offshoot of Code Conference called Code Media, uh, where we gather, you know, leaders in media and, tech, and technology and entertainment uh, to talk about, you know, what's happening in the future and sort of how those things collide. And uh, I think this was in January and the conference happened in February on like the, the West Coast. And I was in school at the East Coast. And he said, you know, send me an email. Tell me why you want to come. And I'm going to select a winner to, to come attend the conference. And so mm-hmm. I rush home. I send him an email. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Recode, a huge fan of Vox Media. I've actually applied to a whole bunch of uh, internships. <laughs> haven't made it. But I'm going to be graduating. And I couldn't think of a better place to learn about the industry that I want to be in and, and the company that I want to be a part of than this place. And so I wrote this whole long email that and I should probably go find. Well, I don't hear from him, actually, <laughs> for quite a period of time. Uh, I think it was like two or three days before. It was probably a week before, but it felt like two or three days before right. uh, the conference. And I get like a two or three sentence note that says, hey, it's Peter. Can you still make it? And I was oh, like, man. what? <laughs> what were you thinking? Um, is this this is your dream? Well, at first I thought like maybe I missed something in junk mail. And I was like, oh, my God, did I? Did I what did I miss? Um, but, yeah, no, then it was like. I'm really doing this. This is this is a dream, and also, holy cow, this is expensive because <laughs> uh, the the conference was going to happen at the Ritz Carlton, and they were only you know uh, compensating the the event, not the actual stay and the travel. And you're still totally in college fair. at this point, right? I'm still in college, and so, so money is not exactly flowing. N- not into exactly. The con but this was, that's right. But this was a good. Uh, a good pitch to mom and dad to say, hey, I, I need a few extra bucks uh, <laughs> to go potentially go get a job. Uh, and so they were they were kind and, and helped me there. But um, anyway, long story short, flew out, uh, got to meet Peter, meet the Recode team, 
uh, got to meet members of the Vox Media team and sort of spent the two days pitching them on why I should join the company. That's uh, great, man. And they're like, who the hell is this eager kid? <laughs> and how did he get in here? Um, but yeah, that led to a couple of interviews and then have been working there ever since. That's great. Yeah. And so w- when you started, what was your what was your role there? Did- yeah, so it was a coordinator for brand partnerships, uh, part of a team that was responsible for uh, really sort of the development of our of our editorial networks. Uh, and so that touched strategic partnerships. It touched uh, brand marketing. It touched, um, uh, you know, sort of event development and franchise development. And so I was working across The Verge, Polygon, Recode, and a bit of Vox um, to help grow those networks, to help grow the audiences for them, to help uh, get advertisers to, to sort of better consider some and of And specifically on podcasts or no, uh, on across everything. all media? Okay. Across all media, we did a bunch of different video series like Next Level with Lauren Good and Spacecraft with uh, Lauren Grush. And we had a partnership with Twitter to do uh, a live event at CES. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it was a whole bunch of like really interesting sort of like new media partnerships. And yeah. one of those was podcasts. We actually did podcasts. Uh, this is now two, two or three years ago at this point at South by Southwest, uh, in partnership with Nat Geo. Um, we were actually in their space and we were doing a series of live podcasts with the Vergecast and Recode Media. And, um, and that was sort of an idea that we, that we, you know, used to test the waters of, you know, can we build audiences around this? Can we build a business around this? And the answer was yes. And so then we started investing more and more. And as, uh, over the two years that I was there not working in podcasts, I start I started to see the company, sort of uh, elevate what I think many would consider a hobby um, across mm-hmm. our, our network's podcasting um, into a business. Uh, they had hired uh, Nishak Kurwa, who I work closely with, who's our executive producer of audio, uh, Evan Lang, who's our VP of sales. Uh, and I saw that they had a, had a job listing for marketing. And I was like, I'd love to do that. Uh, that is a dream job. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, got the opportunity to do that. That's uh, great. What was really uh, driving that that transition from the the business hobby yeah. to the real business was yeah. it listener demand was it just the maturation of the market what was it I think it was a mix of things it was it was all sort of timing is is the the through line on all of this stuff so okay. we saw um, audiences grow for the shows that we were producing Rico Deco, the Verge Cast the Weeds the Ezra Klein Show um, those have continued to grow um, really dramatically over the past couple of years um, you know as I mentioned or or as I'm referencing the the editorial leadership uh, across the company is invested in podcasts right so Neil I is one of the co-hosts of the Vergecast Kara Swisher host of Rico Decode so from the top down there was a sort of understanding and a buy-in in why podcasts are valuable and why we should be pursuing them That's um, great. yeah and then and then you started to see you know the the sort of Matt maturation of the ad market. We were working with a, a bunch of different ad sales partners. Uh, and as we, you know, we saw uh, both the creativity and the in the sort of ad formats, the host reads and the host endorsements, and just the sort of growing scale of the overall business, we said, this is something we should probably invest more in. Um, it looks like this, this sort of plays to our strengths as a company, which is to produce really great content at scale um, across a variety of different passions. And um, we were doing that really successfully in in written content and in video content, uh, and so it just made sense to continue to do that in audio content. That's great. So yeah. you're seeing all those trends converge of the ads and the listeners and the creative, you know, the the content itself. Yep. And uh, it made sense at some point to say, "Hey, this is real." 
Yeah, yeah. And I and I think, you know, part of that was also audiences showing up to these live events, right? And audiences showing up in bigger numbers and being more vocal on Twitter and writing to us via email and saying, I want more. I want more of the Vergecast. I want more. You know, Kara is an incredible interviewer. I want her to right. start interviewing people in entertainment and in politics. Um, and so we responded to that. And and I think it's been it's been great so far. And so we're building, you know, more new shows and doing more, you know, of different formats and whole bunch of different stuff. But. And you had some recent announcements that you officially announced the Vox Media Podcast Network. Yes, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, so can you tell us about that? Totally. So the Vox Media Podcast Network is the collection of all of the different shows that we produce with our editorial networks, like The Verge, like Polygon, uh, like Recode and Vox, um, and our partners. There are partners that we work with uh, outside of the company, like the International Rescue Committee, the American Enterprise Institute, um, Anil Dash and the folks at his company, Glitch, mm-hmm. to produce really quality audio programming um, that is a part of our podcast network uh, and sits alongside and complements uh, the shows we produce with our editorial networks. And so we're over 75 active shows now. A lot of those are sports shows from SB Nation uh, or Sports Network. 75 is a lot of shows. It's a lot of shows. Uh, I am definitely busy. <laughs> uh, the good kind of busy. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we, we sort of, you know, launched a website, podcast.voxmedia.com or whatever permutation of podcast you want to do, you'll get there. Okay. Um, you, you thought it all through because uh, I was making <laughs> Singular, a mistake plural. myself. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, you'll see sort of, you know, the breadth of the network and our, and our incredible hosts and live events and what we can do for partners. That's great. And I, I was excited personally to see that you guys acquired, did your first podcast acquisition right. yeah. of a show that was maybe one of my first, uh, podcast obsessions. Yeah. Uh, it's a show called Switch Some Pop. That's right. Uh, they've been doing it for a number of years now. Yes. I think they did a hundred their hundredth episode not too long ago. That's right. Uh, and uh, it's a great show about for those who haven't heard it yet. Yeah. I'll give it a pitch yes, because I, I'm a I'm a big fan. Uh, it's uh, Two, two folks who are the hosts, uh, Nate and Charlie. Nate is a musicologist. Charlie's a songwriter. They take a very serious deconstructionist approach to pop music, yeah. uh, which I think, uh, as a listener of all kinds of music, but uh, also pop music, is worthy of uh, deep and sustained attention. Uh, and uh, they do a great job of taking... Um, you know, spending an entire show thinking about a Lord song or Miley Cyrus or something, which might sound silly on the surface, but if you love music, uh, you know, I'll give it a personal wreck. I love it. Uh, Dave, when can you start? You're hired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to be joining the Vox team next yeah. week. Just <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, that's exactly what the show is. And so, I mean, I've been listening to it before I even started working in podcasts and working at Vox. Yeah. And, um, and when we, you know, heard that they were looking for a production partner, uh, we sort of threw ourselves out there and we we're like, please us. Uh, and it's just such a natural fit with Vox and, and our podcast network. Um, and so we've officially relaunched the show. It's got a new brand. It's, if you search the website, you search the show, you'll see that it's now part of the Vox family. Uh, but what does that and, mean? What does that mean going forward? Right. As a listener, I'm, you know, maybe I see a new logo and yeah. my feed, right. Is there anything else that I'm going to be seeing or is yeah. it just kind of business as usual? So the most immediate change is that we actually move from a, a, a publishing schedule of once every other week to weekly. Um, so just more of the show, right? Yeah. Uh, and that is something they could only do with a partner. And I think over time, you'll start to see sort of more of the Vox ethos of helping people understand the news, um, seep into the stories that they're telling, into the interviews that they're conducting. I think you'll see more people being interviewed on the show as opposed to just Charlie and uh, Nate talking, which is great. But I yeah. think there's an opportunity to bring in more voices uh, and more lenses and, and criticism into pop culture. So we'll do that. And then I think you'll also start to see 
um, how a, a Vox podcast can sort of collaborate with our other editorial networks. So it makes a lot of sense for, for Charlie to team up with the folks at The Verge and talk about uh, you know, the future of music and sort of how music right. production and distribution has changed. And uh, perhaps team up with the folks at Polygon and talk about uh, you know, video game soundtracks and scoring, right? These are all sort of aspects of music and sound design that influence the way we see the world and we understand ourselves and our culture. And they are experts at this and they can help tell those stories. That's great. So, yeah. so that, uh, and you hit, you hinted at this in that answer, which is that the Vox brand is about uh, explaining Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, can we talk a little bit more about sure. that? Because I think it's a pretty interesting, you know, I, I kind of get that as a, uh, you know, I'm not like going to Vox.com every day. No offense wow. or anything. I, I, Unbelievable. I don't go to that many dot coms. The only dot coms <laughs> I go to every day is chartable.com. Yeah. Uh, you can find it at chartable.com. It's a great website. Great website. Yeah. One of the top three or four websites of all time. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but, it's uh, in my Chrome favorites. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's a vote right there. Uh, <laughs> when can you start? No, yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, talk a little bit more about sure. the, what, what the explanation thing means. Yeah. And, and, and I'd love to hear also uh, about whether we're going to see more more changes like this, more shows being acquired perhaps. Totally. Yeah. So so Vox, Vox.com, the news and politics network, uh, helps people understand the news. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Oftentimes, it's through the lens of national and international policy and politics. Um, but increasingly, it is also through our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are, we're sort of living in the platinum age of, of television, uh, and movies obviously play a I really like platinum, platinum, not even right? Gold. Yeah, it. yeah, elevate. Uh, Take it two steps up, two steps up, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're living in a, in a really important time where where media plays a really crucial role into how we understand the world. I mean, the president of the United States comes from that background, right? Right, uh, of being a reality television star, and so. Um, we think that there is a real um, hunger and a real opportunity to to help people understand the world um, through, again, news and politics, but also through pop culture, um, you know, whether that's music or movies or TV shows or increasingly, yeah. you know, video games and uh, other sort of internet culture. And so that's the, the Vox brand. The Vox media brand, I would say, really is about curiosity um, and really about leaning into uh, authoritative experts who are candid, who are honest, who who know what they're talking about. Um, and so I think um, people who listen to our shows are inherently curious. They want to learn more about uh, technology or business or food or, you know, video games. And um, they want to hear it from, from people who uh, you know, are, are super, super experienced like Kara Swisher and are, who are super, super candid like Peter Kafka, uh, who will say it as it is without, you know, any sort of restraints of, of the, sort of the, the typical, you know, some of the, what I think now are obstacles of, of sort of the formalism of journalism, okay, uh, where you needed to be objective and you needed to be right. Uh, this person objective reportorial voice. Yeah. Right. No, it's like Karis is going to say, you know, what's going on? <laughs> right. Like, right. Jack, why don't you fix, you know, what's going on on your platform in the case of Twitter or whatever it right. is. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I would say that the sort of parent brand and ethos is one of, of curiosity. And are we going to see more show acquisitions in the future? Yeah. So I, I I'm probably not allowed to comment on yes, that stuff. Sure. Understood. What I would say is that like, we're really happy with switch on pop. And I think it makes sense for us to continue to expand, uh, our podcast network, both with our editorial networks, but also with external partners who we think complement our programming. So well, I think that's going to be great for listeners and for yeah, creators. Uh, totally. I hope. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that uh, have been happening in our industry. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Depending on who you talk to, yeah. it's either the golden age of podcasts, perhaps the platinum age of podcasts, or the Spotify. And of course, we're talking about the recent acquisition yep. by Spotify of Gimlet and Inker. Although it feels so long. It's probably like a month ago. It's a month ago. Yeah, uh, so I think maybe ago. even less than a month <laughs> uh, at the time of recording. Right. Uh, but in, in the podcast world, it was the 
potentially a really huge deal or maybe absolutely nothing. Yeah. I'd love to kind of hear, you know, from where you sit yeah. at a, you know, major, I would call a major media company cool. uh, with uh, 75 podcasts. I'll take it. What do you, yeah. what do you think is going on? Yeah, I think this is, this is what we saw with the acquisition of uh, Gimlet and Anchor by Spotify uh, was the start of the next chapter of podcasting. Um, we have very much exited, I think, the era that uh, was sort of born by the podcast app being natively available on iPhones, mm-hmm. by the rise and growth of Serial, uh, by even you know the rise and the growth of daily news podcasts, including our own Today Explained. I think that was a a chapter. You might call that chapter two or three. Um, yeah, it depends I, on how you want to count. But <laughs> yeah, it depends on how you count it. I, I think what is clear is that this is the next chapter, and I think what's interesting is we're going to see a, a bunch of different explorations into um, the types of shows that are created. I think mm-hmm. we're going to get really creative with formats and with genres. And um, I think the sort of uh, conversational talk show and, uh, and and sort of news show um, are formats that are going to stay and are going to be really popular. And, and I should also say the true crime uh, genre. Sure, yeah. Uh, that one sometimes slips my mind because we don't, we don't produce them, but everyone else definitely does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can't uh, talk about podcasts without talking about true crime. Right, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so I think those, those formats that we have come to love and have, come, you know, have helped grow the medium over the past decade uh, will stay and remain popular, but I think we're going to see a whole bunch of experimentation that's going to lead to new mediums. Uh, think, for example... Uh, you know, Spotify is really, um, you know, into music and I haven't had any conversations with them about this, but you can imagine uh, what a, what a podcast musical is, right? We've never heard of that before. Um, And they might be the ones to do it Um, or, or more into fiction, right? We've got this abundance of nonfiction programming. In fact, you can't even sort many of the app stores by fiction or nonfiction because it's sort of a default that it's not. We're stuck with the categories from like 2005, right? right? So uh, yeah, there's no true crime category. There's no true crime. That's right. And I think, (laughs) I think you're going to, you know, that, that served us well for quite a period of time. Yeah. We are where we are because of um, some of that, but I think you're going to start to see more and more experimentation. Um, so that's in, in terms of programming and formats. Yeah. I also think you're going to see it in business models. So, um, I think you're starting to see this now also with the rise and the introduction of luminary. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the ad supported model, um, is going to remain increasingly going to remain very popular. It's, it's the way in which we primarily monetize our network, uh, and many others do as well. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's going away. In fact, I think it's going to grow. I think, you know, per the latest Edison research, there's a lot more shows and a lot more awareness. And so, you know, advertisers are going to capitalize on that. Right. Um, but I think also think you'll start to see, uh, more of a sort of studio approach where, um, you sort of, uh, are hired for your production, uh, or you'll start to see, um, you know, paywalls and subscriptions and memberships. I think you'll just start to see a lot more experimentation in how we produce and distribute podcast program or, or audio programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's going to be good. That's going to be healthy. It's going to invite competition. It's going to invite new forms of discovery, new forms of content, new creators into the space. Um, it does come with its challenges and, and weaknesses, which we can talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not oblivious to those. But I think on the whole, it's going to be um, good. It, it creates a sort of awareness and an investment in this medium that you know we believe so so much in. Right. Uh, and that's only going to continue you know, 2x uh, in this next chapter. Right. I mean, of course, uh, you know, given that we're both uh, you know, podcast optimists, uh, 100%. Uh, you know, this is in some ways a biased rendering of, of, of what's going on here. But at the same time, I can't help but feel that, um, yes, it is a little bit different than it was before. Yeah. Uh, and that, um, 
while there are challenges, and we should we should get into them, that it it should end up being good overall for both creators and for listeners, yeah. and of course for advertisers, yep. which is great. Th- those are the folks who are paying a lot of the bills uh, right now, and uh, I hope that the medium continues to deliver for them, if not deliver more for them, yeah. right? Um, so let's maybe let's maybe talk about some of those challenges, sure. then, yeah. right? So what are the things that you would potentially be worried about? Uh, in a world where there's, you know, now all of a sudden hundreds of millions of dollars being yeah. poured into this medium, which according to the IEB was only 300 and some million a couple of years ago, yep. right? Yep. So I think one you start to see immediately is is gatekeeping, right? So who gets to say who gets to make a podcast and where it's distributed, right? Right. Um, and what sort of makes them entitled to do that? I think that's an open question and an open conversation worth having. Um, I think, you know, if you're, if you're creating... Uh, a sort of membership subscription product, um, you get to choose the shows that are on your platform and you get to choose which shows or creators are not on your platform. Right. And, and I think we have really, specifically, we could be talking about luminary. We could be, here. but also, you yeah. know, Stitcher premium is, right. is one that exists. And I think there will be more. I don't think, that, you know, luminary is, uh, luminary is not the only one. There's not only one Netflix, there's an HBO and a Hulu and an Amazon right. prime. Right. And so I think, um, you know, we're early in this process. And so I think there's a, a really uh, reasonable question and discussion to be had about who gets to make a podcast and where and you know who gets the funding to to do that. Um, I also think there's one about um, you know sustainability, right? So how much are you making for your podcasts? You know how much should podcast producers have to create the shows that they you know envision? Um, I think. Uh, have in terms of like dollars or in terms of how they're compensated in terms of production resources. I mean, if you look at the production uh, budget for a podcast, most podcasts right now, I think if you look at like the top 200 charts, it is so far lower than any TV show or movie. And you could say, you know, obviously there are tremendous sort of fixed costs associated with those types of, you know, entertainment. Um, but, you know, we don't even know what it what it means to to have a budget that's like, a, you know, we, we saw what happened with uh, when you gave a sort of movie budget to TV and you got Game of Thrones, right? We don't even know what a sort of really uh, uh, well-equipped show could be um, that is on the order of a, a TV show or right. movie. Um, for me, I mean, I'll just say, you know, from – I only got into this industry professionally mm-hmm. in the last year, um, but, you know, the quality of – you know, we did this post on the best pods of 2018, and yep. it's like it's generally uh, highly produced uh, documentaries that are at the top of that list, just yep. given the nature of critical best of lists. Yep. Um, but man, the quality of those shows, like Slow Burn and Caliphate and and season two of In the Dark, yep. um, those are those would not have existed a few years ago totally. at all. Totally. And like you're saying, yeah. Can we do better? Yeah. And the answer is I think so. If you're an optimist, do we do we yes. think that this is the ceiling, right? Do we think that Caliphate is the ce- I think Caliphate is an incredible show. Do right. we think it's the ceiling? I think it's I too think early so. to say so. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Yeah. I I hope not. I mean, if we've reached the peak creativity uh in this industry, then yeah. I man, I gotta go find something else to do, right? <laughs> um uh, and that's and that's not just to be clear, not to diminish like no. the amazing power of that show where I was yeah. like, you know, literally like crying, yes. like listening to yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um but uh, so then I think it also gets into a question of, okay, now you've determined who gets to create the shows and, and sort of how much money they have. Then it's a question of diversity and representation. What people's you know, stories are we telling? Who gets right. to tell those stories, right? Again, it's sort of an unanswered question. And then I would even say like, you know, I was talking to a colleague and friend uh, over the weekend and, you know, there are podcast networks and shows that exist for kids uh, and there are podcast networks and shows that exist for adults. 
But what about for the 12-year-old teenager who's got a Finstagram and likes anime, right? Right. I, I don't know many podcasts. Maybe this is my own bias um, and I should be cognizant of that. But I don't really know many podcasts that are suitable for 12 to 14-year-olds who have a phone or an iPad who would be interested in podcasts. But there's a sort of dearth of programming there. And right. so I think like you know, a, a pro and a con is – a pro is maybe we get to create programming for new audiences and new stories. Um, and the con is, you know, maybe we don't. Maybe, in fact, the business models just sort of incentivize um, playing safer bets and, you know, things that we're currently Targeting, like, so, larger audiences rather right. than, and so yeah. And we never even reach the, the, you know, the 12-year-old boy. Um, and I think that's – I think it's a shame because I think – I believe uh, – you know, I'm in this business – uh, you know, I'm a I'm a podcast optimist, not because I'm in the business. I'm in the business because I'm a podcast same. optimist, yeah. right? And and I think you know, there's no reason podcasts shouldn't be on the same level of the best books or the best TV shows or the best movies or the best music. And I think if we are only creating certain formats and genres, and we're only letting letting certain people tell those stories, we're limiting the power of the medium um, artificially. And I think um, we just have to be mindful of that. Totally agree. Yeah. And, and there's one thing that you know this. Podcasts have evolved to be this decentralized medium, and that's served, I think, a lot of folks really well, especially these, you know, uh, potentially marginal voices. Totally. Uh, not that, uh, and it's still, you know, you can argue there's all kinds of unfairness in the way that things work, um, and um, you know, the the big networks have a completely unfair advantage in terms of getting to the tops of the charts, and yep. you can argue whether or not that means anything. But still, there's very few people you have to ask permission for today to make a podcast. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, and if we start moving towards a world where, um, you know, more of the audience is lives in these walled gardens, yeah. like closed off from the open RSS ecosystem, yeah. then I think that those issues of representation and equity really um, are going to be uh, even stronger than than they are yeah. today. Like even more of a concern. Yeah. Totally. Um, so that's that's some of the weaknesses of a of a model. But you know it. Let's have conversations about this. I, yeah. I think the, the other thing that I believe so powerfully about this medium is not just the ability for the medium to convince you of, of incredible stories or, or to captivate you with incredible stories, but the people, the people who are behind the mic and behind the booth, um, I think are, are some of the most thoughtful and creative people that I've ever encountered. And, and granted, you know, I'm early in my career, but um, – but you haven't I, encountered that many people, Zach. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Right. No, but I think but I think it's you hear this from other people too. Right? Yeah, you for heard sure. this on stage uh, at the Hot Pod Summit um, with with Courtney Holt, who's at Spotify, who was reflecting on years of being in the video and the music business, and was saying as much. You know, he's in both businesses as well today. But he was saying that I think some of the I think this was him. He, some of the people in podcasting are, are just some of the most thoughtful people, and I believe in those people to have to one have these conversations. Uh, I don't think anyone's shy to to talk about this stuff. And two, to develop really thoughtful answers. I think we in the industry are cognizant of some of the um, challenges and errors that happened with digital media and with video and with platforms like Facebook and YouTube, right? I think like we're all, we all read this stuff and we're right. all- Right, we've seen the patterns of history repeat themselves. Totally, right. And I, and I think, you know, there's this mindfulness and this thoughtfulness that I think, you know- w- I think we're going to get closer to that territory. I don't think it's totally unavoidable. Some of this is human nature. Some of this is the way we organize businesses around mm-hmm. creative endeavors. But I think we will be more thoughtful than we were with those, you know, with hindsight about how those those turned out. I uh, certainly share your optimism yeah. there, too. I mean, <laughs> I will say that my experience coming in, again, uh, recently into this industry, um, that podcast people are uh, great people. Uh, and... Uh, I'll say that as still feeling as somewhat of an outsider to this industry, yeah. like a, or as a newcomer, yeah. um, where 
you know, we started the company last year. We went to Podcast Movement, which is, yep. you know, biggest podcast conf yeah, in, yeah. in the U.S. And we just emailed a bunch of people and said, hey, you know, we're thinking about building this product, Chartable. We got, we're like four weeks into it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we said that in the email. But we said, uh, <laughs> we're building this thing. We'd yeah. love to show it to you. Get your sell. feedback. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, would you meet up, meet, yeah. meet up with us? Totally. And a bunch of people said yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, including Zach and, and folks from, uh, you know, a lot of uh companies that are uh, sitting on the top of the charts. Yeah. And we were kind of, <laughs> I mean, uh, my co-founder Harish was, uh, you know, having been through like some really tough uh, sales environments for previous companies, yep. just thinking like, oh, nobody's going to show up to these meetings. <laughs> you know, it's like we got these meetings, but certainly they're not going to show up to just talk to two random guys, yeah. right? Uh, and everybody did. We didn't yeah. have any fl- anyone flake and everyone's super friendly and super, like you said, thoughtful yeah. and open. And, you know, that kind, uh, unfortunately, when when people start making lots of money, that kind of uh, openness tends to go away. Yeah. Um, but as long as um, as long as the pie is growing and the industry industry is still figuring things out, um, I well, hope I, I hope that so openness will still that. be there. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. you know, there's so much to gain over the next, I would say, decade. Honestly, mm-hmm. so much to gain in linking everything together and helping. Uh, you know, rise the tide to lift all boats. Yep. That you know, I think I think also you know, Alex said this at, at the Hot Pod Summit too. Um, Alex Bloomberg from, Alex Bloomberg from Gimlet. Gimlet. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the PNG uh, you know gets to fight with Unilever over you know what laundry detergent you know because one percent of market share is actually really meaningful uh, in terms of their ability. to And because there's not business. that many new like consumers of laundry detergent coming yeah. on at any one time. Although who knows, there's probably going to be a Warby Parker for, for laundry detergent yeah. coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Advertising laundry <laughs> laundry yeah. Parker. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, uh, no, but but the point I think stands, which is you know we are so far from saturation as an industry, um, and there are so much room to grow for mm-hmm. all of us. And actually, the only way we're, we're really all going to grow is if we push the medium forward. If we if we continue to push awareness of the medium, consumption of the medium, love for the medium, um, and, and no one voice can do it. It really takes a chorus of voices to be able to say, you know, here's why you should listen to podcasts and hear all the great podcasts and here's how you listen to them. Otherwise, you know, this is a noisy world. This is a, a busy time. Like th- that message. From so many demands on your attention. Yeah, yeah. it's going to get drowned out. And so, um, I'm a huge advocate for for partnering up uh, with other networks and other independent creators who who believe in that. I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, this is the Optimist Room. Welcome to the know, the right? podcast Optimist Show. We should so just rename it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling great about our business. Um, no, so I was just at in Florida at this yep. um, uh, conference called Podfest Expo. It was great. Um, uh, Chris and the rest of the team there put on this great show. Um, certainly, uh, if I had to like characterize the audience as more on the indie side, you know, you didn't see um, most of the big media names, but a lot of the a lot of the folks there were just so excited about the medium, yeah. um, and uh, it's just that that kind of energy from the creators, from the independent and hobbyist creators, is just so awesome, yep. right? Yep. And it's a, and it, to be frank, it's a pretty different world yep. than probably the world that you know you're dealing with, like big brands and big networks and you know bazillions of downloads, right? Um, but it's well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna amend the chart. <laughs> yeah, amend the charts. Uh, but like um, these folks are happy to get like a few hundred downloads or a hundred yes. downloads or fifty downloads. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, and that and that they're part of what makes this medium great because yeah. it's um, it's the same platform. Yeah. 
I think right? this, yeah, this, this is open question. You hear it from people who are not even big into podcasts or in the industry now of mm-hmm. like, everyone's got a podcast, right? Like right. there's so many shows and there's a part of that that's true. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's an open question and conversation about where does podcast sit on this, on, on the sort of spectrum? Is it like an HBO where you basically know all 24 shows that are on HBO and you've got six dramas and four comedies and, you know, three documentary, whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of, there's a, there's a, uh, a constraint on the on the supply uh, versus a YouTube where you know billions of hours of content is being yeah. up to, you know uploaded every every day. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but you know on the order of and uh, I think podcasts right now currently sit in the middle where it's like you have a good understanding of the shape of the entire catalog of whatever it is six hundred thousand shows mm-hmm. and you really know the you know couple hundred that that sit up at the top of each category. Um, but there are tons of really um, niche niche podcasts that deserve to exist and yep. that are never going to have the biggest audience because it's about you know woodworking or it's about we've got one I, don't, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this there's a colleague at Vox Media who works on our in Vox Creative our in-house creative agency and he's got a podcast that's not part of our network it's just a hobby that he does on the side it's called Trailer Made uh, he he publishes it through Anchor, and it's basically a weekly recap of the trailers that came, the movie trailers that came That's out awesome. that week. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's got great art. It's, you know, the the sort of um, uh, appropriate audiences, car, I forget yeah. what that's called. but um, Yeah, the uh, MPAA yeah. Like rating thing. Yeah, totally. And and the, the sound design that sort of introduces you to the show is great and very on brand. And uh, they've got like the movie, vo- you yeah. know, in a world where we review trailers. And yeah. it's, oh, it's fantastic. You know, that show is is, you know, could be really big. I don't think it will be really big, but it gets a, you know, sizable audience, uh, you know, enough audience for him to continue doing it and to feel, great. feel fulfilled in his hobby. And, and he's not spending a, you know, incredible amount of time on it. And, and just because, you know, that's not going to get sponsorship or, you know, it doesn't mean it shouldn't exist or just because it's not going to, you know, it doesn't qualify for being behind a, a paywall. It doesn't, doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. And so, um, and so I think, I think what, what that ultimately means, if we go back to the spectrum of the, the sort of tight, curation and available you know availability of programming on hbo versus youtube i think podcasts can actually sit in the middle um but there needs to be better ways of of discovery and curation yeah and i think the platforms understand this now in a way that they didn't even a year ago or wouldn't admit to a year ago to the point earlier i think we need categories that reflect the actual catalog of six hundred thousand shows not the catalog of 10 10 or so years ago right the catalog first started um, and uh, I think there was under a thousand podcasts when iTunes uh, made its category list. And when we launch a new show, I mean, we have the question of like, do we put this in news and politics or society and culture? Like, like what does the distinction what even also, mean? What is the distinction between subcategories of tech news versus technology? It's just it actually doesn't. Um, it doesn't allow the publisher to better market their show, and mm-hmm. it doesn't allow the audience to better find the show. So it actually doesn't serve the purpose that it's intending to serve. So it should be updated. And then you go further down the list of of features, and it's you know we should have playlists and stations that publishers can curate around big moments. Um, for example, th- this is a, an example I often use in conversations with partners and with members of our team. Uh, it's a little dark, but you know when Anthony Bourdain died, there was um, a, a sort of collection of different interviews he gave over the years about, you know, uh, the publishing of his book and the start of his show on CNN mm-hmm. and the ups and downs of his career. And there's no reason why, you know, a publisher, whether it's a platform like Apple or a publisher like us, like shouldn't be able to string those together. And here's four hours of the life of Anthony Bourdain. Right. You know, here's who this guy was. And and that is going to tell you a better story, by the way, 
than any, you know, sort of short news article that tries to recap it. Right. Yeah. Or anyone um, putting out an emergency podcast episode with like totally. 20 minutes of content. And then having yeah. to find all those different episodes to, and then string them together in chronological. We should make it easy for people, right? Yeah. Um, and and do, you th- do you think yeah. that's going to happen from the, like the, the app side? Like the, the yeah. players themselves are going to be? I, I think um, it's a combination of the platforms recognize us now. Uh First step is is admitting the problem, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think there's going to start to experiment with solutions that address different aspects of it, like engagement and retention, and you know discovery and circulation, and all kinds of different metrics that they, that I'm sure they have for other formats and uh, you know types of media um, like music. And I think um, and I think we're going to start to see those experiments happening in all kinds of A/B tests and in betas of apps and stuff. I've seen you know Spotify experiment with. Instead of showing you related, you know, uh, listeners also subscribe to shows, they're now actually showing specific episodes. That's great. um, Which I think is great. And so you're going to start to see more of the uh, sort of features built into the platform. And then I think once they have a good sense of what actually creates new discovery and engagement, they're going to start to enable uh, uh, publishers on the platform to help them do that because they can't do it all on their own. And no sort of like, you know, algorithm is the only solve, right? You know, right. There are, there are curators on Apple music and on Spotify right next to discover weekly and release radar and, you know, the new music mix. Right. And so I think, um, you know, in the case of Vox and Rico, like we should put together, uh, here's interviews with Elon Musk, uh, you know, with Kara, with Eli, with Ezra over the course of many years. And here's who this, this person is and here's how he thinks and here's how he grew his business. And I think that's going to be valuable for people. That sounds super um, interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious what you, I don't know if you thought about this in terms of uh, episode recommendations. So this is a topic yep. that um, a lot of folks speak about, certainly on podcast Twitter, which if you don't yeah. follow all the podcast Twitter peeps, uh, <laughs> you're really not missing out on very much, but uh, you're missing out on like you talked about uh, episode recommendations. Yeah. Um, but um, certainly it's on Spotify's radar. They mentioned it at Hot Pot Summit and elsewhere. Um, what does that mean for you as a publisher where currently you're really encouraging people to subscribe yeah. to your shows? So, But if I drive by and I see an episode of Today Explained, yep. um, how do I then, you know, what's going to happen to me as a listener? Are you going to be able to retain me? Is that going to yep. mean something for your business model? Totally. I think the ultimate goal of creating and distributing and promoting our podcast content is we want to engage the right audiences with the right content so that they feel uh, like a, they feel a connection. They feel uh, like they've gained something they didn't have before they listen. And that can be entertainment. It can be information. They can feel more inspired to be the entrepreneur that they want to be, whatever it is, right? And to the extent that we can do that with shows and people subscribe to shows and listen to multiple multiple episodes, great. To the extent that they they only want to listen to one or a couple of episodes, I think that's totally fine too. We actually see okay. in some of our surveys, um, and and I think uh, other par- platforms would would admit to this as well in their own research um, that there's actually a lot of hesitancy around subscribe. When you see subscribe, you know, on Twitter and in, in a bunch of other contexts, it means I've got to pay. It means yeah. I'm I'm entering into a relationship with this product, right? And and I think that that means the barrier to entry is much higher. Uh, there is confusion over the cost-benefit analysis. It's um, a funny, I mean, that whole mechanic yeah. of subscribing has, is, it goes back to the RSS feed. Yep. And people who knew what RSS was and yep. used RSS readers in 2004 yep. were comfortable with that. Totally. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, fast forward, it's 2019. Yeah. Um, and we're still using the exact same mechanics yeah. to describe your relationship to a show as a yeah. listener. Yeah. And like, how do I even like bookmark an episode? Like, I don't necessarily know if I want to subscribe, but if I don't subscribe, I might not see it. 
whatever. Right. Right. Or here's another one. We we are a multi-platform publisher. We have these massive sites, right? Box.com, TheVerge.com. Um, I read those sites every day, right? Part because my job, part because I love the networks. For sure. Uh, and the content. Um, I discover lots of different podcasts, some of which are produced by us. It could be episodes of Today Explained, interviews with Ezra Klein, some of which are produced by other networks that I think are great that we, you know, we link to in reference to the news or analysis. Um, but it is always a multi-step process, no matter where I'm reading those articles, if it's on my desktop or my phone, to get from there is this podcast that they've linked to that interests me. How do I listen to it in my preferred app of choice where I spend most of my time listening? There is no – the funnel there, first of all, for most people doesn't exist. <laughs> and for the people it, it does, it's a multi-step process. And when you're doing that on mobile, every tap counts. And the more steps you're involving in that process, the higher the likelihood of me abandoning it yeah. happens. And then I'll just go home and I'll search for it. I'll never discover it. And so I think to the extent that we can unbundle uh, really quality episodes from shows – to create greater discovery of those, whether that's happening, you know, I search for a topic and, you know, an episode of Today Explained comes up in the Google search results or whatever it is. I think that's a good thing. And I think we'll, we'll you know, there'll be pros and cons to it as there are for basically anything that happens. Right. But I think um, on the whole, it's going to lead to more discovery. It's going to lead to more engagement with the medium. It's going to lead to more people subscribing to the shows that they love. And I think um, I think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you feel strongly that your content is great, then uh, having somebody come by it one way or the other yeah. uh, and maybe give you a shot at turning them into subscribers yeah. better than uh, just just keeping your same subscriber base, I guess. Totally. Right? And by the way, if it's not great, that's also a good signal. We gotta Then we have to up our the quality of our content. Right. Um, and, and I think it's kind of crazy right now that uh, and I think uh, the folks at Pacific Content published this last week that we don't know subscribers, uh, you know, across all the different listening platforms. Yeah, I was, that would be like going to a YouTube video and just knowing the views on a single video and not knowing the sort of built-in audience for a channel. That's that's inconceivable for a YouTube creator or a YouTube publisher right now. Yeah, I was, um, so Dan Meisner was actually the last person I had on the pod, oh, uh, and uh, he was talking about the same problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's one of these things where the folks that have been in the industry forever are going to tell you it doesn't matter. Uh, subscribers don't matter. Downloads don't matter, and I and I can kind of empathize with that. They've, you know, ultimately they they've been just putting out their shows like every week or every other week yep. for ten years, and and they're just doing their thing, and that's and that's cool. Yep. And if if downloads don't matter to you, that's fine. Yep. Uh, but if you're trying to build a business, yeah. subscribers and downloads do matter. They do matter. Uh, so if you are trying to build a business, yeah. which some percentage of podcasters are, yeah. then uh, you know, obviously we're. You know, I'm biased here. I'm a data guy. Yeah. Uh, more data is good, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we, you know, you have a chance to see um, who's who's your potential built, baked-in audience, your yep. built-in audience, and then which of those folks are driving by for one reason or another. They saw it on an article somewhere. Somebody shared it with them, right? Yeah. And right now, the answer is, uh, yeah, don't really know. Yeah. It's it's wild. I mean, it's, um, I, you know, I think for the people who don't really want those metrics it's i think their their preference not to have them shouldn't mean that the ones who do don't get to they should just right. not look at them don't let it influence your decision making do produce the show you want irrespective of the total audience or the built-in audience but for the ones that do this is this is vital information that we need in order to be able to sustain the quality programming that we have um and and i think you know once you have that baseline of 
here's your built-in audience and here's the the peak in the in the pit so to speak um, then you can start understanding also aspects of crossover and aspects of you know did the thing that I you know spent a week doing in terms of promotion or marketing actually have an effect or was I spinning my wheels yeah and I think that transparency is a good thing it means we're going to use our time more effectively well I think that there's and you hinted at this and yeah. and what you were just saying is that there's a there's a missing link here so I think when folks talk about uh, I feel like we got from optimistic to I got a little angry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, uh, we, we're going to stir the pot. Yeah. We're going to stir the pot a little bit. No, I mean this. This doesn't seem particularly controversial yeah. to me that like uh, creators who are trying to build a business want to know how they're doing with their business. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the you know I'm sure there are some people on Twitter who would go crazy about that or whatever. <laughs> um, but ultimately, what, you know, when you look at this debate, the debates that happen are people are saying podcasts are great for privacy. I don't really want to share anything with anyone. I just want to listen to my podcast and my app of choice. And some of those app creators are never going to provide uh, very much data back to the creators. Yep. But I think, to me, the missing piece here, as a you know, I, I would almost call it. I'm not going to call this show a hobby, but it's certainly not my main gig, yep. right? I, I'm a programmer and an entrepreneur and the CEO of Tradable. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it matters to me that we do this show, and it yep. matters to me the stats matter. And and and. For folks like Vox, you know, on the on the large end, or yep. even for folks, you know, independent podcasters who are trying to turn their show into a full time job, yep. that data might mean the difference between yep. being a hobbyist and a full time job. Yep. Uh, and, and to me, the more people who can create, uh, who can get paid to create, who can you know help, uh, whether it's direct monetization from their audience or from advertisers or whatever it is, more people that can be compensated for their creativity, it's going to be great for listeners. Yeah. The whole point yeah. of this medium is to listen to great audio totally. and hear great stories. And um, and it, it just seems weird to me that people don't connect those dots, that more data yeah. means more people could get compensated for yeah. telling great stories. So I, I also <laughs> think, though, I mean, if I play devil's advocate and sure, I'm, yeah. you know, put their hat on, um, there is a fear that like too much, you know, what is too much data, right? Like what do you actually need in order to be able to run your business versus what is nice to have? And um, I think uh, people in, in the business, especially for, you know, networks like us, which, you know, we've got sites and we, we know a lot of about the user behavior of people on those sites. Um, they think that we're we're going to recreate for podcasts what happened with the websites, and and I think that's you mean with like crappy ad tech, crappy, like ruining you know, the tracking. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's a legitimate concern. That is totally legitimate. I don't know. I'm speaking for myself here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I you know I would if I weren't in this business and I were hearing about this conversation, um, I would probably lean you know more toward more information, more more data. But I would totally get where those folks are coming from. I think what um, what I would advocate for. Is like okay, we understand the two ends of this uh, conversation. What's the compromise? And I think the compromise everyone would agree to, which is like enough data to be able to make informed decisions about your programming, marketing, and sales, but not too much data that any use of any single data point becomes creepy or is out of your control, or um, you know can be abused um, or can be sold. Like I, I think there is a, a really healthy middle ground um, that we can get to. Um, and I think the people who are on uh, the sort of the end of the debate who say no data should come a little bit closer to, um, okay, there's got to be some data. What is the data that makes sense? And how right. do we go about implementing that stuff in a way that, um, yeah, that, that sort of is mindful of these concerns? Sure, because um, like ultimately, there, regardless, you know, we, we don't have to get super technical, yeah. but there is already data shared about you when you download a podcast. Yep. Your IP address and the user agent, like what kind of phone and app you're using, yep. right? And it's not like anyone decided 
no nobody no one at podcast.com decided in 2004 <laughs> that like this is what's going to be shared and that is the correct level of privacy for yeah. podcasts that's just kind of like a uh, unintentional side effect yeah. of the medium right like uh, because it's built on rss um this is what's going to get revealed yep. uh and um you could argue perhaps you know we should have a discussion because perhaps somebody would could make a great argument that you shouldn't even reveal the ip address as totally. a listener and i would be happy to hear that argument yeah, totally. and, and, and it could be something that could be you know we could come to agree on a standard for how to um obfuscate that information at totally. some point right yep. uh but right now what's revealed is arbitrary it's not like anyone decided it yep. so let's so what's to me it made sense to say let's just take a look at what's going on yep. let's take a look at what would help creators Build their businesses, like yeah. you said, and we'll come to a reasonable conclusion. Totally. Uh, Here's what I would put forward. Yeah, I think we need to know subscribers, uh, just the total number. Yeah, I think we need to know the total number of downloads. I think we need to know the source. I think we need to know those things over time and over location generally, and that can be state and city. It doesn't have to get specific to where you live. I just want to know how many people in New York City are listening to a podcast, right? Right, and, um, and that's important because it helps you plan live events. It yeah. helps you sell to advertisers. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think uh, uh, consumption of of downloads, and I think tying consumption um, to subscribers as as a a subscriber, not the person, not Zach, got this far into an episode. I think you know fifty percent of your subscribers got this far into an episode is sufficient for us. Um, and so, and that helps you make content decisions, right? So 100%. all these things have like a reason. Hundred percent. The reason you want to know consumption is so that you can. Figure out which content is like connecting with the audience better. Totally, right? and it's not again. It's not Zach got fifty percent into an episode. It's this person in New York City got fifty percent into an episode, and they're subscribed or they're not subscribed, and that is all we need. That's real. Like I'm sure there are people who are going to advocate for more, and that's fine. I'm sure, I'm sure there, there are people, people advocate for less. That's yeah, say that's all. Oh, it's too creepy. You know what? I I I would like to hear from people actually on Twitter. Hop into my mentions. Yes. How can Z- we find you on Twitter? K A H N Z K A H N. Yep. Uh, and tell me like what you think about that and what you think is reasonable or not reasonable because I think um, we're we're over, we're we're due time to have this conversation for come sure. to a conclusion and for us to start implementing and adopting solutions. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was at the Rain Summit uh, last yeah. Tuesday in New York, also, and um, that's like a. The rain, the rain podcast business summit, totally. and uh, the number of times you could have had a, a drinking game or somebody said measurement <laughs> on stage, uh, and you would have been wasted yeah, wait, like ten minutes it? in. Measurement, discovery, monetization. Uh, I, I don't have I don't have production. enough booze in front of me like right we now. Could, we could create a bingo. Yeah, slot. exactly. You could uh, create the card right now. Um, so it's certainly time, you know, given that uh, there's so much great content being created in this yeah. industry and so many creators who deserve to be compensated yep. for that content that we we can hopefully have the conversation in a uh, a civil and rational way, yeah. um, and uh, you know this pod isn't going to be the, the the start or the end of that, but hopefully um, you know we can continue what? that. that was promised influence. No. Yeah, well we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fix it all right here. Yeah, right Just here. stay tuned. Um, we're gonna go get yeah. some dinner. Yeah. Um, no, so uh, so great. So we're gonna continue that conversation, yeah. um, and you know Vox will be part of that. Charitable will hopefully be part of that. NPR, all the other big publishers, yeah. all have their own ideas. Yeah. Um, what do you see for the future of podcasting? You're totally. you're optimistic. Yeah. What do you see? What's gonna What's it gonna be like in a year? Is it gonna be totally different? Five so years? Much. I think so. Again, like podcasts as they are, gonna continue to get bigger and uh, more expansive and um, more meaningful. So like we could literally just put this on autopilot and everything is gonna get better. I think um, there's some yeah. stuff to be mindful of in terms of um, uh, you know the number of shows and discoverability, you know all that stuff. But I think I think if you put it on autopilot, on the whole. The trends that we're seeing in the Edison Research Report are going to continue to go up and to the right. 
that said, you know, what is the new and exciting and, and sort of uh, uh, innovative stuff that's happening in the, in the industry? I think the the ability for podcasts to become other forms of uh, information and entertainment and for those, uh, you know, other forms of entertainment to become podcasts, you know, by which I mean podcasts to movies, movies to podcasts, right. TV to podcast, like all of that is going to continue to grow, especially as many of the major broadcast networks, I'm talking about CNN, uh, NBC, as we gear up into the election cycle, uh, 2020, they're going to invest more and more in podcast programming. And I think there's a natural opportunity for them to connect everything that they do in uh, broadcast uh, to podcast and, and vice versa. For sure. Um, and there's going to be such a demand for content from totally. listeners, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think uh, podcasts becoming multi-formats and multi-formats becoming podcasts is just going to continue to grow in new and surprising ways. Um, and I'm, I'm super happy, excited for that. I think, um, I'm actually interested to see what happens to Gimlet Pictures as part of Spotify. Yeah. That's something that nobody's really talked about yet. Um, and so they'd already licensed some of their They've licensed content, some of their right. stuff. Um, you know, but what happens with Homecoming, right? After, you know, I guess Amazon owns it, but, um. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awkward conversation right there. What happens? I, yeah. You know, I don't, <laughs> I, there might be a really definitive answer that I'm yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Of, but I feel like that's a, a you know, a question worth asking and what happens to future originals. I mean, does that, do those videos become, and those TV shows become part of Spotify? Does right. Spotify start licensing things to Amazon or to Netflix or you know, how does that work? Right. Um, so that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. I think you're going to see more and more uh, uh, memberships uh, and subscriptions in podcasts. Uh, again, I don't think advertising is going to be the only way to monetize a podcast business as, as advertising is not the only way to monetize every other media business. There's right. a bunch of different forms and subscriptions and memberships are becoming more popular. I think we're also going to tap out on some of that stuff. Uh, there's, you know, only so much of the wallet can go to, uh, news publisher subscriptions and memberships, but I think there are people would be willing to pay for a couple of podcasts. Um, right. We certainly not. haven't seen the ceiling yet, right? No, there will be a ceiling. And by the way, the technology for this stuff doesn't really even exist. I mean, if I wanted to create uh, a podcast that was just, you know, for Vox Media employees, sure, I could use private RSS feeds. But that is a whole uh, right. janky system that most podcast consumers or most consumers don't even know how to operate, right? I read somewhere um, that when Slate uh, was pushing Slate Plus as part of the yep. Slow Burn uh, show, that they had somebody doing customer service pretty much all day, every day, helping people put uh, the private RSS feed into what? whatever whatever player they were using, which yeah. is a, just a crazy state. Yeah. Uh, 20, you know, 2018, 2019, yep. and they have somebody like over email being like, okay, here's this wonky URL yeah. you put into some... <laughs> field of something if it worked for them it worked for them but, yeah uh, I, they have I a solution now apparently so but I, I don't know yeah i think um they came out with something recently. yeah they have they like a, a paid a paid solution yeah. thing yeah. um but yeah so i think more technology and more podcasts are gonna have memberships um i think uh i think we'll start to see more events and conferences uh podcast festivals are all the rage nowadays yeah they're, they're uh nearly as popular i don't think they're actually but i would say that they're they feel as popular as music festivals uh that might be a biased sample a where bias you're sample. at <laughs> I checked myself before I said it, and then I yeah. felt compelled to finish the sentence. Yeah, that's, I, I, I'll go with Let you. Let me on be it. clear: podcast festivals are not as big as Coachella, but, <laughs> but I think there's an opportunity for them. To yes, so. So, Coachella. Pod, oh God! Oh no! <laughs> uh, could you imagine camping out in tents to see like Mark Maron? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting uh, so sweaty just to hear people talk yeah. on stage. Oh my God! <laughs> no, but I but I do think you'll see more podcasts, live podcasts, more festivals, more conferences, uh, and the ones that are already big are going to get bigger. Um, 
So, and, and the touring business is yeah. obviously, um, I think it's still working itself out in terms of the financials. I don't think any one podcaster or network can be exclusively a touring business yet. Um, but I think that will get better again as more audiences are aware of podcasts and going to these events and all that. I think merchandise is a totally untapped uh, I place. totally agree. For us too. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's a harder business uh, than advertising or than putting the same content behind a membership. Um, you're literally creating new products uh, based off of uh, the products you've already created. Yeah, but it um, makes sense, right? Like given the intense relationship that people have with these shows, totally. that like even if the the you know the top line numbers on the number of uh, shirts or whatever it is you're going to sell yep. uh, aren't that huge, like those people will buy the yep. stuff, yep. right? Yeah, and then I think the last thing you'll start to see is again more experimentation. Like, what is a uh, reality TV like TV pod that, or, or sort of a reality pod that's happening in real time? Like, what is the sort of American Idol where everyone goes into the podcast, you know, every Tuesday and votes? I, know, on I something? can't wait for this. I think there have been experiments like Squarespace had uh, casting call. Yeah, uh, like I think there's been some dabbling in this in this space. But we're not there yet, right? We're yeah. not. If you look at, I was actually just recently watching the, the 2000s, which is a original series by CNN that's now on Netflix. Nice, uh, nice plug right there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> companies that have nothing to do with what we do. <laughs> um, but you know, th- it's really interesting because they walk you through uh, television uh, in the 2000s, and television took on so many different forms from American Idol and Survivor to The Sopranos and Breaking Bad to uh, you know cable news uh, shows to. Uh, That's uh, all recent history, right? It's, it hasn't always been this. Like a, yeah. This is a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I, you know, it went. It, there's so many different, and you know, television obviously has existed for many more decades than podcasting, but um, that medium had so many different formats, and right now we've got a handful, and I think we're just going to see um, really big hits on the order of Serial um, and The Daily, and uh, that are that are. Going to bring more people into podcasting, and I think the last part is you know research that that uh, Megaphone had recently, and I think you guys uh, maybe have had something recently, or Anchor has had. But although I don't know if you believe Anchor on what I'm about to say, <laughs> but uh, that Spotify is welcoming more people into podcasting. Yeah, right? um, that's that's been our sense of it also. Yeah. yeah. So I think the the platforms, the the spend that they're doing on outdoor you know advertising. I'm sure we'll see more television advertising. They're creating greater awareness of the medium and how to access it. And so um, I think, you know, my mom listens to just one podcast right now, Recode Decode. I was going to say, I hope it's a Vox podcast. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's my mom. Um, (laughs) But uh, uh, I think, you know, there's no reason why she shouldn't be listening to more, especially when she feels so unsatisfied by what she has been watching, you know, on TV. And I'm not going to name check anyone. But, like, I think there's so much programming that she has grown up with and has – sort of, you know, um, been tethered to just by a, a sheer, you know, uh, routine, habit, right? Routine, yeah. right? Um, and I think the second she uh, and other people are able to, um, with ease and comfort uh, and, and sort of security, access much better content for free. Um, Wherever they are, yeah. on whatever device they so, have. And actually, okay, a last part is the smart speakers and, to the, and the, yeah. the smarter car systems. I don't know if 2019 is the year for that. Um, I think we're still a little ways out. But those, those, you know, the adoption on on smart speakers is crazy. at a faster pace than smartphones. Yeah, at the same period in their in their history, and uh, you can fact check me on that. I, I uh, yes. do my research. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw one from uh, Asimco Horace. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, uh, that dude has the best graphs. The best. Uh, uh, and and I think you're just you know the those experiences I don't think are there yet. Um, it is way too complicated. I was to the point about 
reading an article and then going to a podcast, it's even more difficult to go from a smart speaker to a podcast or podcast to smart speaker. Um, and I think that once those experiences get more nuanced and sharper, um, uh, people are going to use them more. Um, and Absolutely. people, I think when you survey them, they say they intend to use their smart speakers for news and, and information. Uh, and so the, the second we're able to bridge the user experience gap, uh, the floodgates will open and people will start consuming more and more. I, I really hope that uh, that someone at Amazon out there is really thinking, how do we get people to yeah. listen to pods on these things? I think they are. I think, I think they are too. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, it makes sense if you, if you are going back to your smart speaker more and more often and you trust it to be a source of news and information for you, that's, you know, in the case of Amazon, you're more likely to purchase things off of it. Uh, in the case of Google, you might be more likely to search off of it. Um, in the case of Apple, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, uh, no, but I think, you, you know, this, this is true for our phones, right? The more and more, um, we've grown to depend on our phones, the more we use our phones for, right? Um, and, and so it's just a matter of time of building, you know, going back to routines, like building, building a routine, building that trust. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully, you know, like you said, I don't know if next year, if this year is the year, yeah. but. And the uh, same for cars, like it is still too cumbersome to get a podcast loaded up on a car right now. Yeah. Um, it just is, it, you know. If I hit one button, the radio's on, and I'm playing music or listening to broadcasts. Um, and for, you've been used to that forever, forever, right? Yeah. And and uh, if and, and certainly, you know, some, when you're not the only one in the car, then you've got to convince the other people, right? Um, but uh, you know, for a podcast, you've got to either load up your phone and then you know toggle it on your phone, or you got to have a new car that has CarPlay. And, and I hope you've already downloaded it. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole um, process. And so um, again, I, yeah, I don't think it's this year, but once those those experiences get more mature um, and they're as easy as button. Okay. I'm listening to the show I want. Then people are going to use them. Yeah. Well, this is um, the show of podcast optimism. Yeah. <laughs> Let's end. I think uh, we got optimistic by the end. It yeah, like we a, did. A, we we, we, we explored a little yeah. bit of the trough of sorrow. We explored some uh, uh, different arguments yeah. and uh, we came back to where we started. Yeah. Uh, but um what have you been listening to that you've really been Ooh. enjoying? And it can be a Vox show. Oh, it can be. You but let's let's say, let's say let's say like one Vox and one non-Vox. Okay, that seems fair. He, he opens up the phone. Uh, I'm looking. So, he taps the app. We don't know which app he uses. So for listeners of this show, oh yeah, I can't reveal what app. I use. <laughs> for listeners of this show, I would say um, Recode Media with Peter Kafka um, is essential listening for understanding the future of the media and entertainment businesses. Yeah. Um, from podcasting to digital media publishers to cable companies to OTT services like Peter is an expert and has some of the most interesting guests and thoughtful conversations with them. So subscribe on Apple podcasts um, or wherever you get or, your you <laughs> or Spotify. Um, yeah. So that is one uh, in terms of what else I'm listening to that is not Vox media. Um, let's see. Oh, I just listened to the dropout by ABC news. Yeah. Great. Um, did, did you read fantastic. the book before? I didn't read the okay. book, you know, and I hear the book is really, is really, really good. Um, yeah. But well, there's something forward. about that story in your ear. With, totally. Yeah. And I'm looking and her forward voice. To, to seeing the HBO uh, film about it, too. Right. Uh, it's, it's a big uh, Elizabeth Holmes moment, I guess, right now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's such an interesting story. And, and I think we're in a moment right now, actually, where we uh, this is this is only tangentially related to podcasts. So you might have to cut this out. No. Um, Let's let it roll. It OK. I think we're in a moment right now where we as a culture are craving stories about cons um like elizabeth holmes and theranos like billy mcfarlane and the fire festival ah. we are looking at people who have created these great schemes and we're looking for stories that have ended that have a conclusion that's satisfying like 
the person's in jail or they're disgraced from their industry and the, you know, the employees or the people that work with them, uh, you know, can no longer speak to them. And I think the reason for that is one, you know, the stories of fantastical cons have just been, you know, generally interesting, but in this moment at this time, we are living through, uh, one of the biggest cons I think, uh, that's ever happened, uh, which is to say it, uh, Donald Trump being the president of the United States, uh-huh. um, a notorious con man in New York. And uh, we are so desperately craving an end to the story and one that is satisfying, and we haven't gotten it yet. I and love so this theory. we turn to entertainment, and we are turning to these stories that have ended uh, because they satisfy this, this lingering need that we have uh, to explain our current moment because the news is not doing it justice right now. Um, so all right, an overarching that. theory yeah. of cons from the biggest con of all, Zach Con. Oh. <laughs> to be clear, I have not done any cons, <laughs> though I am a con. Right, um, capital, capital K con. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, that's great. So, Zach, thanks yeah. so much for coming on Charitable Radio. Uh, Zach Con, Vox Media. Um, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Is on Twitter? Uh, yeah, they can uh, Twitter. My DMs are open at Z-K-A-H-N. Or you can email me, Zach, at VoxMedia.com. Uh, I'm usually pretty receptive to that. Uh, usually. there's no spam and bots. And <laughs> I'm fortunate that I haven't gotten any any uh, hate messages. Um, so, yeah, you know, anything, if it's a you know, question, an advertiser thing, whatever it is, I'm, I'm happy to chat. All right. Thanks so much, Zach. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you. I appreciate it.